0: Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Thirteen overdoses at the McDonald's on Portland's West Burnside. Fifteen at the Stadium Fred Meyer. Twenty-three at the corner of Southwest 4th Avenue and Washington Street. These are just a few of the details from the Lund Report's recent analysis of 911 calls in Multnomah County over the last year and a half. There were nearly 7,000 such calls over those 18 months, and about 3,000 this year alone, meaning more than 16 a day. Emily Green is the managing editor of The Lund Report. She crunched this data and talked to experts about what's happening, and she joins us now. Emily, welcome back.
1: Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me.
0: Can you give us a sense for the scale of the increase in 911 overdose calls over the last year and a half?
1: Yeah, so before this past May and June, uh, Portland was, or Multnomah County was pretty consistently seeing between 250 and 450 calls reporting an overdose each month. But then in May and June, um, it shot up over 600 calls for each of those months for the first time since uh, BOAC started Recording data the way that it is now, which is in mid 2021, um, it was actually double the number of calls um, that they saw in May and June of last year.
0: Do we know what happened?
1: Um, well, <laughs> I think that this um, the increase that we're seeing in Portland is really in line with national trends. Um, we we know that. As fatal overdoses are going up, they're going up in other parts of the country as well. Um, As far as why there are so many more calls reporting overdose in those two months, um, I I think it just indicates that there are likely more overdoses occurring.
0: And is there some sense for why that is?
1: Um, That's a really good question. I think, well, fentanyl is driving most of these overdoses, according to public health officials. Um, Multnomah County has seen a 530% increase in fentanyl attributed overdoses, or I should say synthetic opioid, which fentanyl is um, overdoses since 2018. Um, it people, it can send people into overdose a lot faster. Um, it's a lot stronger. And just as it's really um, taking over the drug supply, uh, it's driving overdose rates up more and more. Hmm.
0: And is it possible that the numbers you've mentioned are themselves an undercount? I guess I'm wondering about potential or, or overdoses that wouldn't even show up as 911 calls.
1: Yeah, Figuring out exactly how many overdoses are occurring is really tricky. Um, I mean, the data itself has limitations. Not every overdose is reported as an overdose. Some might be reported as a welfare check. Um, or some other, you know, kind of call. And then some calls that are reporting overdoses might actually be something else when first responders show up. Um, And then, of course, you have many overdoses that are reversed that are never reported. Um, So knowing, but I think that this data is really one of the best indicators that we have um, for how many overdoses may be occurring. Uh, When you look at the ambulance data, where first responders um, are recording, you know, what they actually find when they arrive on the scene. Um, half the time they arrive, uh, one paramedic told me uh, the overdose has already been reversed by a, bi- a bystander. So they might not record that as an overdose response in their tracking system. Um, they also, you know, how different paramedics record things can vary. So um, this call data is probably the best measure of just the geographic spread of the overdoses that we're seeing which is you know all across the county and just about every neighborhood um and and just the sheer volume i mean there are some locations that have you know more than 20 reports of overdose just to that location in the last 18 months
0: Hmm. just to be clear when you're talking about um reversed overdoses meaning that that somebody a bystander or paramedics would be administering naloxone um Narcan uh, to reverse the effects of the overdose. So, so turning to the geography here that, that you were just mentioning, I'm curious what stands out to you in the patterns of reported overdoses?
1: Well, you know, some of the clustering isn't too surprising. You see a lot around the, you know, open fentanyl market that Willamette Week did a lot of reporting on, on Fourth and Washington, and you see a lot in Old Town. But I think what's really striking about the data is that um, about half of the calls are made to public spaces. Um, So, you know, while there's a fentanyl trends in just about every state, you know, what's I think maybe more unique to Portland is just the rate at which it's happening outside, you know, in highly visible areas, calls to businesses, street corners, parks, sidewalks, um, really made up a lot of the data.
0: That's an interesting point. So that, because you noted at the beginning, that Portland is not necessarily an outlier in terms of, Uh, overdose rates, but it may be that we are more of an outlier in terms of just how public this is as, as our version of a national emergency.
1: Yeah, I mean, in Portland and other places where housing costs are high and rental vacancy rates are low. Drug use and overdoses are happening out in the open in public spaces because so many people have kind of been musical chaired out of the housing market. Um, of course, Measure 110 took away some incentive to hide, you know, behind a bush or a building. So I think in places like Portland, it might be easier to encounter this right out in the open. But it's important to note that states that have much lower rates of homelessness, um, such as like West Virginia or Pennsylvania, um, actually have, you know, drug overdose fatality rates that are actually a lot higher than Oregon. So while our situation might be more visible, it's certainly not you know, an isolated occurrence here.
0: It's important that you just use the word uh, drug overdose fatality rates. Does the data that we're talking about here that comes from your digging into 911 calls, does it include details about the outcome of these overdoses? I mean, specifically, you know, the percentage that are fatal,
1: Um, The call data does not, I mean, the vast majority of these are non-fatal. And I think we um, hear a lot about um, fatal overdose numbers, right? When we're, you know, hearing about overdoses in news reports. Um, And I think they're still working through all the caseloads from last year, uh, the county medical examiner, but they've so far confirmed 334 four overdose deaths in Multnomah County last year, but that number is likely to go up as they work through the the backload of cases. Um, but you know, just just like, you know. We, we think about the human toll of overdose fatalities, right? But a lot of these non-fatal overdoses come with a really substantial cost as well. I mean, um, oftentimes an overdose can cut off oxygen to the brain, which can result in long-term cognitive impairment, trouble processing, um, anxiety, depression, um, are you know, some of the effects according to public health officials. And you also have the cost of um, first response. Um, every one of these dots on this map represent a, you know, fire and ambulance response that, when police are available, are accompanied, you know, by police as well. So there's a cost to taxpayers and a strain on the system here as well.
0: And also a call that that they're not responding to potentially.
1: Um, all of the dots on this map are calls that. Where first responders arrived on the scene. Um, they might take a while because you know, as as you probably know, um there's been some reporting on ambulance response times, you know, recently. But um they do they do come unless the call is canceled or it's deemed to be a duplicate call. And oh, I think no, sorry,
0: all- sorry I, I meant that that but if by responding to that call, it means they can't be somewhere else.
1: That's true. That's true. And you know, I talked to uh Teamsters local t- 223 official who represents paramedics in Portland. And he told me that overdose response is contributing to an increase in calls for local ambulances. But, you know, the majority of calls are for other things. Overdoses made up about 6% of the calls this year.
0: What did you hear, though, from paramedics about this aspect of their job? <sighs>
1: I talked to Timothy Mollman, who's been a paramedic in the Portland um, Tri-County area for decades, and he said there's definitely been an uptick, and um, it, it it can contribute to burnout, and it can be really difficult to respond um, to these calls over and over again. He says, you know, it's not uncommon for him to respond to three or four A day, Um, he's responded one time. He responded to the same person twice in one day to reverse an overdose with naloxone twice. Um, And he hears similar stories from other first responders, and it can um, be a little hopeless. He said Uh, they just feel like they're not really able to do anything to help folks in the long term. Um, They're just showing up, reversing the overdose, you know, offering to take them to the hospital for follow up. Um, And about a third of the time, they don't. Hmm. Now, he's taken it on himself to start carrying uh, materials about treatment resources and, um, you know, handouts and flyers. And he said some other paramedics do that, too. But other than that, I mean, there's really no follow up and um, there's no official program in place to connect folks to resources when this happens.
0: You note that people who've had an overdose are at a high risk of overdosing again. I mean, you just noted um, that that this is a paramedic who's actually uh, brought people back twice on the same day. But there's no official outreach program or, or sort of targeted system to specifically help this population that clearly is so at risk.
1: Um. According to him, not in connection um, with the EMT response, no.
0: Hmm. I should just remind folks, if you're just tuning in, we are talking right now uh, about the huge increase in overdoses reported to 911 in Multnomah County. There has been a steady increase over the last year and a half, but a gigantic increase in May and June. Emily Green is our guest managing editor of The Lund Report. You also included some quotes from a woman named Haven Wheelock in your most recent article. She runs the nonprofit Outside Inns Harm Reduction Services. Can you tell us what you heard from her?
1: So uh, Haven has been working in harm reduction, um, such as uh, with syringe exchanges and you know programs that help people use drugs safer um, for a long time. You know, well over a decade, and. She carries naloxone, the opioid overdose reversing drug, on her person at work. And well, she's not at work. And we were talking about um, public drug use and overdoses occurring in public. And she told me that, you know, just since fentanyl really took over in Portland, um, when she's been off the clock, she's reversed four overdoses in public spaces simply from being um, in the right place at the right time. Um, Once at a bar, once at a bus stop, um, even once when she was getting groceries um, from a Safeway. Hmm.
0: What are warning signs that people should be on the lookout for?
1: So, signs of an overdose, um, if you see somebody who's lying on the ground in an unnatural way, um, Haven suggested looking to see, like, are they using something as kind of a makeshift pillow, like as if they're taking a nap in a doorway, or are they just lying haphazardly in the middle of the sidewalk as if they just kind of fell there? That might be a sign of an overdose. Um, people who are overdosing they will start to breathe a little more um, heavily before they you know, completely lose oxygen. It might be like the sound of gurgling or snoring. So you can listen to see if they're breathing effectively. And if they've lost oxygen, um, you might see that their lips and fingertips are starting to appear purple or pale blue or kind of a ashy gray. Um, there might be vomit next to them. And of course they might be unconscious
0: as i'm listening to this description i'm just i'm thinking that i don't think very many portlanders walking around through the city are 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 likely to first of all have narcan on them and second of all go up to somebody who is maybe sleeping maybe in the middle of a potentially fatal overdose and then check for all these things check for vomit check for breathing how likely is it that just passersby are going to step in?
1: I think it depends on the passerby. I mean, um, we know that a lot of these calls are reversed by people passing by. Um, so, so it is happening that folks are carrying naloxone and reversing these overdoses. And, you know, of course, depending on the situation and the person, they might not be comfortable Um, approaching somebody. But I think that's where, you know, really looking at how they're laying and if it looks, you know, like they're taking a nap versus, you know, just fell. Um, If if ever, you know, someone is suspecting that it might be an overdose, whether they want to check on the person or not, um, it's recommended that they call 911 and, and report it as a suspected overdose so that first responders can come out and make sure.
0: You know, you mentioned that Haven Wheelock works in harm reduction and has for a number of years now. Do the incredibly high dosages of fentanyl, do they change longstanding ideas about harm reduction? I mean, things like safe injection sites, for example, when most people now, as I understand it, they're, they're not injecting fentanyl, they're crushing it and and smoking it on a on a piece of foil.
1: Well, safe injection sites are now starting to be referred to as overdose prevention sites because it's true. I mean, um people well people are starting to really inject fentanyl on the east coast and harm reduction uh folks believe that's probably going to be a trend that reaches Oregon in a matter of time. Um, right now they're primarily smoking it here, but at an overdose prevention site, they could um, potentially smoke or use drugs in whatever manner they choose um, in the presence of medically trained professionals who know how to reverse an overdose should it occur. And um, conversations about overdose prevention sites, you know, in Portland have been happening a long time. Um, even at the county, it's something that they've been talking about for, for almost a decade. But as public drug use has really increased and all these um calls to public spaces where overdoses is occurring are becoming so frequent, um, those conversations have really been revived. Um, that was accord- according to Multnomah County's interim health officer, Dr. Teresa Everson, told me that overdose prevention sites are one of the many tools the county is looking at right now in terms of um you know getting at this issue and and fentanyl does have a role to play because uh, an overdose can occur so much faster with fentanyl um and getting that quick response becomes that much more critical you know in order to prevent somebody from having really devastating long term health impacts from the overdose or of course you know potentially dying
0: it does seem like politicians elected officials at the county level and at the city level are approaching this issue in very different ways in in recent months. Um, Can you give us a sense for what you've heard from the city?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, the city and county have really been offering solutions from opposite ends of the spectrum, um, whereas the county's talking about overdose prevention sites and potentially handing out um, tinfoil and straws to be as a way of engaging with people using drugs. At the city, um, they've potentially, uh, or they tried to ban um, public drug use. Of course, that was, um, that proposal was revoked after there were some questions around the legality of it. And that's actually where I started um, looking at this reporting was when the city was considering that public drug use ban. Um, I was talking to harm reduction um, officials and officials at the county just about, you know, what would that mean for all of these overdoses that are occurring in public spaces if um, we were to Recriminalize drugs or ban public drug use. And of course, what that would do is just uh, push people kind of into hiding, they said. And then there'd be a lot less chance of somebody being able to see that overdose when it's occurring and calling 911 or responding with Narcan.
0: Before we say goodbye, I just want to ask you about this recent burst of national coverage. That's focused on Portland, Oregon as a whole and, and measure 110 where, where voters decriminalize drugs in the state. You've been covering these issues here, you know, based in Portland for a number of years now. And I'm curious what you think outside journalists have gotten right, taken you know, a, a, as a group and or gotten wrong.
1: You know, these stories from national outlets have painted a really colorful and in many ways very real picture of what's taking place in Portland. And I I think it's clear a lot of good reporting went into putting these pieces together. Um, But they're all, you know, very, very street level focused. And a lot of it is framed around um, drug decriminalization. Um, I think it's a human nature to want to point a finger somewhere to find an answer to what has caused what we're seeing on our streets. And I think it's intuitive to a lot of people to kind of point to measure 110. Um, But To see what's really happening, I think you need to pull back from the kind of microcosm of events taking place on the street level and, you know, look at Oregon, both in the context of what was happening here before we decriminalized drugs and then also in the national context. Um, And I spoke a little bit about this earlier, but, you know, we are in line with national trends here you know fentanyl isn't an Oregon problem it's um it might be a little more public here but i mean before voters decriminalized drugs with measure 110 in 2020 we had a long failing behavioral health system, treatment that was hard to access, um, issues with um, chronic street homelessness. So it kind of created a perfect storm. But it's it's not unlike what you're seeing in other um, places that have taken a more um, less criminalization approach to drugs, and where you also see high rent and low vacancy like san francisco seattle um it's portland you know it's very visible here but it doesn't mean it's not happening in a lot of other places
0: emily thanks very much for joining us
1: thanks for having me dave
0: emily green is the managing editor of the lund report think out loud and all of opb's reporting in our communities are made possible by the support of our members do your part to help make it happen. Become a sustaining member now at opb.org/pod.